Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, this is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, welcoming you to the Chosen People Radio Program. So glad you've carved out a little bit of time to spend with us, and I hope that this program will be meaningful to you today. We are going to explore the Jewish backgrounds and Jewish heritage of the Savior of the world. Does that sound like like fun or what? I mean, this is going to be very interesting. And what we hope to do is to really get a grasp on the world that Jesus lived in. And that will help us understand the Gospels. It'll help us understand many different aspects of the life of Jesus. And so with me, as always, is Bobby Walter, who leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in New York City. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you and shalom to all of our listeners. As always, we're very grateful that you're joining us and tuning in. Um, So, Mitch, I'm really excited about this topic and the series that we're kicking off today um, because, honestly, I I think about my own walk and my own introduction to the Jewishness of Jesus, and it was such a turning point in my life, in my walk. And it was uh, especially things like this, things that we're about to talk about, things from the Gospels that show the Jewish world and culture in which the events of the New Testament and the first coming of Jesus took place. Yeah, when we think about the incarnation, I mean, honestly, we have a Jewish incarnation here. Yeah. (laughs) This is, the Messiah is Jewish. And when, if we want to really understand the Savior, then we need to understand his Jewishness. So we're going to start, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up into the New Testament, the book of Luke, chapter one. And we're looking at the birth narrative, and we're going to jump in at uh, verse 26 and read a little bit. And then we're going to talk about the Jewish backgrounds to the passage. And one of the areas that we're going to focus on, are you ready? Is the alleged romance between Mary and Joseph. Hmm. Was it really the stuff that romance movies are made of? Interesting. All right. Okay. Okay. So we're going to explore this for those of you who are a little bit on the romantic side. And I hope that you're not going to be too disappointed. But there is a Jewish background to this whole situation, and we'll get into it in just a moment. Let me read. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Remember, friends, Jesus was not born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but raised in Nazareth. And so um, Gabriel was sent to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Yosef, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Two messianic background points there, of course. Uh, the Messiah, according to 2 Samuel chapter 7, 1 Chronicles chapter 19, uh, was to be a son of David. Mm-hmm. This person who would be born would be, in some ways, the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with King David. And so both Joseph and Mary were from the tribe of David. Also, Mary was a virgin. And that word harkens us back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, uh, which, of course, Matthew referred to uh, a gospel earlier. 
as being fulfilled in Jesus, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so already just reading a little bit of the passage uh, gives us tremendous background. So all of this is rolling out as God predicted, as he planned. And so when you understand the Jewish and the Old Testament background, you can see how important it is. So verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed at this statement. Uh, Gabriel, of course, Gabriel was an interpreting angel. And uh, Gabriel had quite a ministry in, in years past, especially in the, in the book of Daniel. And so the angel said, uh, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. That's Yeshua, which means God is the Savior. It's a compound. So God is the Savior. So you will bear a son, and you shall call him God is the Savior. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Again, uh, we understand from Old Testament prophecy that the Savior of the world, this the virgin would conceive, and actually the Son would be God with us, literally God mm-hmm. with us, incarnation, God with us. And so he will be the Son of the Most High. So, you know, you take a, just a moment and reflect upon the words used that Luke records in this instance, and you can see just the, the Old Testament exploding into the new, right. um, going from black and white to living color. And we continue just for a moment. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Again, the, un, the unfolding of the Davidic covenant where God promised that a ruler of David would sit on the throne forever. And indeed, in verse 33, we read, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. The house of Jacob, again, is synonymous with the people of Israel. And we understand that. And his kingdom will have no end. Again, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 that there will be no end to the increase of his government, and upon the throne of David he will reign forever. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, here it is, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So there's a, a very clear statement of the birth of God in the flesh. <laughs> I mean, ponder that one for a moment. It's just absolutely awesome. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Again, another miracle, not quite the same level of miracle, but another miracle in the birth of, of John. And the summary statement, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so uh, we understand that, of course, uh, as well. And so uh, Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I just want to make a few quick statements. Uh, and later on we might be able to cover the, more of the details of his birth in Bethlehem, which again is another fulfillment of a promise. But here's my quiz to you, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Did Joseph and Mary meet even as teenagers, fall in love, and get married, and then all of this happened with God bringing to pass a miraculous virgin birth. Was, was, is this a love story, Bobby? 
Well, it's a love story, but not exactly the way that you just described, uh, because that sort of thing, that process of, uh, you know, uh, man and woman meet, they fall in love, and then they get married, and, you know, they have a fairy tale ending, which is kind of common in our culture today, in our society today, or at least the expectation of it. Uh, that's not how it operated. It's not how it went uh, back then in the Second Temple Jewish world. Uh, so they were betrothed, which indicates and lets us know that. They were in this waiting period where they okay, had- Okay, well, well, hold on a second. So what's the Jewish concept today and what was it in the fir- first century of betrothal? When, when, what is that and, and when does somebody get betrothed? It was an arranged marriage. And even today in some Jewish communities, you know, not just Jewish communities, around the world today and other cultures, arranged marriages are the norm. Okay. And so breaking a betrothal is as bad- almost as a divorce, correct? Absolutely. It's it's already a legal agreement mm-hmm. made by two families on behalf of their children. Yes, it's a binding legal document. So this is what's so amazing to me. As you look at Matthew and you look at Luke, you see that not only did God choose the right woman, Mary, but he chose the right man, Joseph, mm-hmm. because he was so willing to submit to God's will that he's willing to even put her away quietly. And he was just such a godly man. And then, of course, uh, Jesus uh, was born and raised by both two sons of David, by Joseph and Mary. And uh, so we do have a love story, Bobby, maybe Joseph and Mary over the years, like my grandparents actually did uh, fall in love. But the real love story here is between God and us because God sent his only begotten son, born of a virgin, Jewish virgin, to be the savior of the world, to live a life, to suffer, to die, all because he loves us. And dear friends, that's the true love story. And I hope that this helps you appreciate God's love for you and for all people. The book of Daniel is one of the most important prophetic books in the entire Bible. Understanding it is absolutely essential to comprehending and grasping prophecy as a whole. And that's why we'd love to send you a copy of Harold Sevner's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon. Discover insights in knowing what the Bible teaches about prophecy, the end times, and our lives today. Obtain a fresh approach to the practical application of these timeless truths. The book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon, is free and available right now. All you have to do is reach out and say hello. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for Harold Sevener's timeless treasure when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks for reaching out today. We look forward to hearing from you soon. New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up. We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit chosenpeople.com slash Shalom New York to find out more. That's chosenpeople.com slash Shalom New York. We hope to see you this summer.
Well, right now we're going to hear from Steve Kowalski. Steve was deep in addiction and had decided to kill himself until God intervened in a very unexpected way. You're going to love this testimony. And Steve has been such a great influence for the Lord in upstate New York and has had a great witness to Jewish people for so many years. So you'll enjoy it. I grew up in the synagogue. I knew of nothing else. As a matter of fact, I had very few friends who were not Jewish. There was a lot of racial tension in our city. So I was in about the fourth or fifth grade, and this friend of mine, Larry, came up to me. Out of the clear blue sky, he pointed his finger at me and says, you killed Jesus. And I said, I don't know, even know who you're talking about. You know, I was really scared. I mean, me? How could I? I mean, I was a young child. One of the people I connected with, who became a very good friend of mine, was from Miami Beach. And he was a guitarist, and I was a drummer. So we, we, we connected right away. He said, so would you like to do some drugs? And I go, well, I don't know. I don't know. And he said, let's try it. What is this stuff? I mean, it was like the most incredible feeling I've ever felt. This is what I want to do for my life. I want to be a musician. I was just having the time of my life, not being home, being away. I kind of left my Jewish roots back at the house. So we showed up at this club and we set up our equipment. Attached to the club was a cafe and there was this really, really cute girl. And I tell you, my eyes just went boom. I said, I'm gonna marry this girl. And I said, hey, how would you like to come with me? She goes, okay. And I had our first child uh, within, a, within a few years. We were immersed back into the congregation, back into that synagogue that, uh, that I grew up in as a kid and that my family was instrumental in starting. We do business, I'm in the scrap metal business, and we do business with this fellow, and his name was Sam, his wife's name was Louise, and they were the sweetest little Jewish couple you'd want to meet. Monica and I take a trip to Vermont. On the way back from Vermont, we stop and see Sam and Louise at their house because they invited us. Louise, I've never met her before, but she's this real cute little Jewish lady. And she started talking about the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua. She was like, you gotta hear about this. It's changed my life. She says, you've never heard of Yeshua. And I says, no, I've never heard of Yeshua. And she says, well, I bet you've heard of him as Jesus. Louise, stop right there. I says, I'm Jewish. I don't believe in Jesus. I was intrigued about this Yeshua guy, but this Jesus, no, 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 it's not for me. So, but thank you, Louise, thank you very much. Right about that time, I started having a real drug and alcohol problem. Whatever pain I was in or feeling, it would take that away. My dad passed away at a very young age. He was like 52 years old and died from cancer. Just gotten divorced a couple years before that. And I mean, all this stuff was caving in on me. I had to drive myself to the emergency room because I was, I was thinking I was having a heart attack. And as I was driving home, there was a stretch of road that usually had a lot of truck and car traffic in the middle of the week. I said to myself, you know, I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. I'm gonna end my life, I'm gonna kill myself. The first truck that I see coming towards me, I'm history, I'm done. I wasn't even thinking about the truck driver. I wasn't even thinking about anybody, but my, I was just wanted to kill that pain permanently. And in two to three miles, there was not one car or not one truck. I get home 
And my wife says to me, what are you doing home? It's the middle of the day. You don't understand. You have no clue. And I took her engagement ring and her wedding ring and I threw it across the room. I didn't know what was happening. I was out of my mind. I was just gone. And she was saying, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And all of a sudden I felt this emotional thing. And I opened my mouth and out of my mouth came these words, I just need to be loved. And I go running at, at the end of the hall is our door to our bedroom. And I go through that door and I shut the door and boom, I hear the door crack. And I jump into bed and I just start screaming, God, help me. I'll do anything, God. Just stop this pain. Just stop this pain. I couldn't take it anymore. I was going crazy. And my wife walked in the room and says, your psychologist is on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Yeah, what's going on? He goes, no, you tell me what's going on. And I said, well, I'm just having a bad moment here. He goes, according to your wife, you're having a very bad moment. He says, I want to see you first thing tomorrow morning in my office, and you're going to need to go to rehab. So I go to this rehab, and um, I get a sponsor. She said, part of the journey of recovery, it's a spiritual recovery. So she says, I want you to start going back to your synagogue. But I would, I would be faithful. I'd go every Friday night, I would be going to the service. They asked me to be on the board of directors. And I said, okay, I'll be on the board of directors. And after a while on the board of directors, they said, we'd like you to be vice president. And I said, okay, I'll be vice president. After a couple of years, they said, okay, we'd like you to be president of the synagogue. And I said, okay, I'll be president of the synagogue. So here I am, president of the synagogue. I was sober at that point. 10 years. My wife was having some issues on her own with, with drinking at, at that point. One day I just said, you know, Monica, I think, I think I'm done. I think we're done. I think we should get a divorce. Something happened to Monica. All of a sudden she was like starting to go in on Sundays with a Bible under her arm and heading off to a church. I says, just don't tell him your last name because you know I'm the president of the synagogue. She goes, okay, don't worry. And I picked up the phone. I said, Sam, I got a problem. He goes, what is it? I'm president of the synagogue. Monica's going to a church, you know, on Sunday morning. We're getting divorced. I says, you know all about this Jesus stuff. Tell me, what do I do? Do you have a Bible? And I says, yeah, I have my bar mitzvah Bible. You know, at synagogue, we read out of a siddur, and we never even open the Bible. I mean, the closest thing we get is the Torah, the first five books of Moses. Turn to Isaiah 53. I turned to Isaiah 53. Turn to Psalm 2. And I said, okay. Flipped it over, Psalm, found Psalm 2. Turn to Psalm 22. And I said, okay, turn to Psalm 22, read that. Who do you think they're talking about? I mean, if you're asking me, it sounds like they're talking about Jesus. But how could they? This is my Jewish Bible I got from my bar mitzvah. Well, why do you think they're not talking about Jesus? And I said, well, he was Catholic, right? No. He was Jewish. And I said, really? Ask God tonight what the truth is. So here I am lying in bed that night, and I'm like, okay, God, I heard some really strange stuff tonight, but I do know that you pulled me out of the drug and alcohol addiction. You saved my life. I'll believe whatever you say. So I heard these words like he was standing next to me. This is the truth and I love you. And I started crying. So we go to the Rosh Hashanah service at their congregation like an hour and a half away. I felt something there. I felt like 
love and acceptance, and I felt like I was home. And then the service started, and I couldn't stop crying. Towards the end of the service, the rabbi gets up and asks if anybody would like to accept Yeshua into their heart. I was like, yeah, I do. But you know, then I thought about it. I said, well, I'm president of the synagogue. And all of a sudden, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and it was Louise. And she says, God's waiting for you. He's always been waiting for you. Just reach out to him. I never thought I could be Jewish and believe in Jesus. I thought the two were entirely at opposite ends of the spectrum. But once I understood that Jesus was Jewish, it came full circle to me. I said, oh my God, I'm believing in a Jewish Messiah. It was a gift. It was a gift that I didn't even deserve. But he loved me so much, and he loves us all so much, and he loves you so much. Just ask him for the truth. That's all. Just ask him for the truth. What is the truth? When I cried out to God the Father, he saved my life. When I said that prayer to accept Yeshua, Jesus, into my heart, he saved my soul. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about the history and heritage of your Christian faith, then please be sure to connect with us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. We've got a lot of great resources and articles, and you can even request a free copy of Harold Sevener's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon. The book is our way of saying thank you for listening. That's right, Bobby. It's a great book, and I know that Daniel will be a blessing to you, and it's a, a great uh, way to understand the heart of end-time prophecy as well, because Daniel wrote so particularly about some of the events that are even happening today, in my opinion. Harold was a president of Chosen People before uh, a few years before uh, I came in, uh, which was 1997, and he does provide a unique perspective that sheds light on end-time prophecy, and he explains these events so clearly. It's a great book, and I know you want to grab a copy for your home library or share it with your Jewish friends and family. You can ask for it today by connecting with us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or you can ask for Dr. Sevener's book when you call us at 888-293-7482. 
And when you connect with us today, don't forget to let us know where and how you're listening to this program. We look forward to hearing from you. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.